Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think oh bondage up yours. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Dominasty podcast. I'm Mistress Velvet. I'm Mistress Blair, and this is our LGBTQ plus and POC inclusive podcast about all things sex work, sex ed, femme empowerment, and mental health. Well, I don't know if anyone has done anything particularly naughty this past week, but we certainly have. <laughs> yes, we have. Nothing new there. We uh, had a little lady date, and we started with going to some of our favorite local places including a wonderful sex shop called Vanilla Kink. Mm, and I got myself a new flogger that I am in love with. Yeah, they're great. Love to support them as people that are also looking at independently owned and also just having all of our favorite things in stock there. Very much good quality, safe, uh, looking at all body types. Really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also did a little impromptu photo shoot and mm-hmm. had our dinner, but it was a little tricky because <laughs> there was this amazing event being held on Friday yeah. at the same time. That we couldn't miss. Called Eviction. Mm-hmm. That's e-viction.net. Exactly. Tell us a little bit about it. So this is a group of absolutely fabulous bitches that are really trying to combat some of these issues that we're having between FOSTA, SESTA, and Earn It. These issues, even where our Instagram accounts get taken down, work gets stolen, there's a lot of other censorship Mm -hmm. or pirating in this world. And so as a kind of solution, there is this very great timeliness of Instead of putting content that stays on the internet and can be stolen a multitude of times. Live shows, baby. And sadly, it's not as fun as being in the dungeon with everyone. Of course. But still satisfying, I imagine. Certainly. I think they got some pretty good tips sent their way. All the performers. Were you satisfied? Was I satisfied? Oh my god. I was sitting in this restaurant like with my hand over my eyebrows like low-key coming in my pants because I was so turned on by the freaking spank zone. Oh my god. So that was one hour of amazingness run by Z Royale. Uh, Queen. Um, Absolutely worth checking out. That would be Z as the gender neutral Z. And um, amazing African-American sex worker as well with some very strong hands. Yeah. I particularly enjoyed her sub that was just basically twerking the whole time through all the pain like that was entertaining (laughs) for me so much. I loved it. A little sassy, but Mm -hmm. also appreciated. Now, there was a whole range of entertainers. Um, It was a whole evening event, Mm -hmm. but we didn't want to miss out on too much. So we had to kind of watch it through our phones via Zoom. At the table. the table. In front of the servers. Some of them caught it. (laughs) It's just a further normalization Mm -hmm. of kink. It's all good. Miss Velvet over here tried to tell me that she wasn't a pervert for like a half second. And then I was like, um, no, bitch. (laughs) You're a total pervert. (laughs) I'm a pervert, but so are all of you. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like 
there's been a conversation happening between many creators recently, especially with all this COVID stuff and having to go more online about, you know, being censored and having people stealing their content. And this event was on Zoom and we had some questions about this because it's live, right? Right. So we did a little test mm-hmm. and this is something that we are letting know also partially because of our industry out there. You know, we're hoping everyone does the right thing, but we know unfortunately all too often that's not the case. Yeah. And these chat rooms um, where the live shows were happening, they did have um, monitors where they were kicking people out if they were posting rude comments or things. But I had a question about screen recording and if you get a notification as a creator with using Zoom if somebody's screen recording you. So we put it to the test and the unfortunate answer is that no. No. So you don't get one. Mm. And you would think really you should not be able to screen record something unless you're a host in general, Mm -hmm. that you should have a certain level of permission for this. Just like when your booty call gets that Snapchat or Instagram and you see that they have taken a screenshot Mm -hmm. even during your FaceTime call if they do that you will get at least some sort of notification so these are things that we would like to keep in mind and hopefully can call on the tech world as well to uh up their game on to protect people get with it absolutely uh you know they may have people jumping into their chats anyway I've heard some other stories there (laughs) But that's that's a note on that. And please, folks, uh, just a little PSA here. If you find porn and it is free, it is probably stolen. Are you fucking recording me? Today, we're going to look at sexual orientation, a brief history of sexual research within the United States, and our own personal experiences in our lives around that. As you know, both of your hosts here identify as bisexual, and this term of bisexuality didn't actually appear until 1892, and the term was not normalized until 1970-ish. And sexual orientation is defined as what genders you're attracted to, not necessarily how you yourself present. Exactly. So when did you know that you were bisexual? I would say that was pretty clear by the time I was 15. Um, How did you know? Oh, starting age 14, I was already hooking up uh, with other... With some other ladies. Um, I probably had inklings even before then, if I really look back now. Um, But I knew for sure by high school that I was certainly sexually attracted to both genders. So when did you know that you were bisexual? I started to know when I was watching lesbian porn. (laughs) like at 12 or 11 probably but even though I was watching lesbian porn and like enjoying it a lot I was very like repressed socially with my family and with where I was growing up so 
I didn't really full on come out to myself as being bisexual until like I was a freshman in college. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I I probably once again didn't adopt the language until like the end of high school, but yeah, we're uh, always finding out new things about ourselves mm-hmm. and. Some of that also goes back to research that has been done about Americans in general. There is a particularly famous sexual scientist Mm -hmm. called Alfred Kinsey, and he started his research on people's relationships sexually in the 40s. Prior to that, he was into bugs, biology, all sorts of fun things. However, he really deep-dived into what was some hugely qualitative studies on people's relationships, how they interacted sexually throughout their entire lives. And what came out of that was this scale. The Kinsey scale. Right. And that scale looks at where someone sits in terms of their sexuality, specifically really from heterosexuality to homosexuality and sometimes the scale is called the hetero and homosexuality scale okay and what like range is the scale on like quantitatively so while you can't take a test to find out where you sit on the scale Mm -hmm. uh he was able to figure this out through the research they had and kind of look at those experiences and where they crossed over but that scale's gonna start at zero and go to six. Now, zero would be you are exclusively heterosexual. Six would be you're exclusively homosexual. And then there's also this space for zero, um, or, or X, sorry, which is not really anything. You're asexual. And. Okay. Our asexuals a- are something. <laughs> but well, I see what yes, you're saying. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you, asexuals, you're nothing. (laughs) Oh, God, that's bad. Oh, no. But, you know, not looking at these terms of pansexuality and asexuality at that time, they did still find that most people really weren't a zero or a six strictly. In fact, the average person was somewhere between one to five. Where do you find yourself on the scale of one to five? Once again, I can't take a test, but I would probably have to guess that if I were to take all of my past experience, I would be somewhere around a two or a three. Um, I've had 60% heterosexual relationships Mm -hmm. in my past, but I've had definitely an even amount of attraction Mm -hmm. um, that I maybe didn't always make good on. (laughs) Where would you say that you'd imagine you're on that scale? So, if we're going by my past... Ugh, I don't even want to admit this. Too much dick. Um, If we're going by my past, I'm probably closer to the heterosexual side, um, which is higher or lower? So, that would be closer to zero on the scale. Okay, so going by my past and all the things that have accrued until now, that would be closer to probably like a 2.5. Um, maybe a three, 
but I'm getting gayer every day. Like literally, <laughs> I'm get. I've been saying this for like three right. weeks now. I'm I'm getting gay every day. So I'm feeling much closer to like a fucking six right now in my life. And this is the other part of this was that they really noticed that there's a flexibility in this. That in fact, over people's lifetimes, their experiences, and even the porn they watch, all of these things allowed a sliding scale that could be flexible um not just strictly on either of those ends society is sucking on your dick and since i got a pussy i'm a bitch and since you are a dude yeah you can tell the truth but as soon as i do i'm a bitch society is sucking on your dick so blair i know you mentioned that you've watched some lesbian porn before when was the first time you watched porn and masturbated and potentially even got caught? <laughs> it's like, you know, maybe that I got caught or something. Um, <laughs> don't know if you're speaking from experience, but Ugh. I started watching it when I was 11, um, like right before middle school is what it felt like. And I was jerking off a little I don't actually don't think I was jerking off to the porn I was just watching it because it really like intrigued me but like I wasn't masturbating to it I was just watching it but I did get caught um and I blamed it all on my little brother and he took the blame for like a day or two and then somehow my mom figured out it was me and we had a very uncomfortable conversation that wasn't really clear for me because it felt like she was punishing me for being bisexual or exploring this lesbian porn and really she was just really mad at me for lying to her but that was not communicated properly and like that moment really fucked with my brain for a while of like oh well now I can't like indulge in this anymore I need to like be straight so whatever when was the first time you watched porn oh that is so tough um and for me, I have pinpointed that place to a time in when I was about eight. Ooh. Uh, On dial-up? <laughs> that actually came later, once again. <laughs> uh, no shade here, but yes, I, uh, I'm a little upset to all of you that have never had to experience the delay of instant gratification through dial-up for your pornography. It is really something did you get caught um the first time i didn't get caught i have almost been caught never officially but that very first time i ever watched porn was actually because i used to have this kind of game with uh, one of my best friends at the time when i was in elementary school okay. and that game was that if we got let off the bus before her parents got home uh -huh. and i was hanging out there we would go to their special movie selections oh. and most of these were R-rated horror movies. Okay. So Chucky's Bride, The Ring, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, you name it. Yeah. And the game would be, we would watch it and whoever screamed first would lose. <laughs> so uh, one day she popped in a unmarked DVD and what came on the screen was this crazy black and white of a bunch of Japanese men surrounding this tied up woman and I I screamed first that day because 
my first pornography I ever watched was Bukaki. Oh my god. Well, <laughs> at least it wasn't a home film of her parents, because I'm sure she would have screamed first that day. Um, yeah, we would have been scarred for yeah, a very long yeah, time. That would have been but, terrible. But I definitely didn't fully understand what was going on, but I was like, this is oh my god. wild. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Fuck, man. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't start masturbating to porn and probably until like 11, 12, and then it was no stopping me from there on. Is that how you discovered, like, masturbating, like, with porn? Or were you doing that first before you saw porn? Or how did that work out? Um, yeah, no, I didn't link the masturbation to porn until a little bit later. I definitely figured out that I liked things down there beforehand. And very soon started looking at, like, the household products (laughs) Maybe anything that was kind of phallic shaped, yeah. maybe a magic wand, you know, there, there were a lot a of things. A vibrating toothbrush. They were all potentially up for grabs. <laughs> for sure. Sorry, folks that have been to my house before. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, you know, speaking in this newfound world that we came into, especially with technology becoming pretty involved mm-hmm. in in our aspect of porn now i know you watch porn when was the first time that you were nude on the internet well the first time that i was nude on the internet was actually the first time that i discovered an orgasm um because i was playing around in some omegle chat roulette things um i was definitely clicking yeah i'm 18 motherfuckers but like I wasn't the only one of my friends doing this. Um, so yeah, I was that was around 12, 13. I was like just playing on the internet. I didn't really care about strangers seeing me. They would never find me. I mean, like, you know, the parents are saying, don't ever put anything on the internet. It will be there forever. And I'm over here like, who's going to keep that cloud space handled with all of my information? I don't know. Maybe if somebody tries to dig deep, they'll find an old IP address or something. I don't know. I hope it never happens. Oh my god. When was the first time you were nude on the internet? So it is making me think a bit longer back. And I am also going to date myself again here because smartphones weren't accessible to me until I was 16, 17 in the first place. And... I definitely didn't have that cash on hand to get some of those nicer things when they came out. So I really didn't have a lot that I thought I could get away with. And I didn't even have a webcam until I was 15. So I probably didn't have any nudes at that point in time. At this time, you know, there's there are plenty of things in existence. So you weren't like in AIM... Send, I mean, you could have been an aim like messaging, but you weren't like sending things, oh, yeah, finding I mean, some chat rooms or what? I was filthy uh, yeah. in that. It might be telling as if you guys didn't know this before, I can't tell you the full one, but my my AOL screen names alone had the word bondage in them <laughs> at age 13. Oh my so God. <laughs> once again, probably should have been assigned for something. Um, and I was definitely talking to people in their 20s. Um exploring that maybe doing some erotic writing on the side there but I 
wasn't giving them photos of me. Yeah. And if they want smoke, we can put it in the air, yeah. This shit is a girl blunt. I only smoke girl blunt. This shit is a girl blunt. I only smoke girl blunt. Okay. So we're going to do a bit more of a deep dive in our own experiences. And I'm curious for you, Blair, when was the first time you interacted sexually with another person or even out of curiosity? So I wasn't like touching, playing around like at a really young age. But when I was in kindergarten, I remember this boy who sat like across from me and we made some type of plan for him to whip out his little peen when I dropped my pencil and looked under the table when the teacher and the teacher's aide weren't paying attention to us. So kindergarten, um, I also saw my second penis in first grade with my friend. We did a little peer pressure for our other friend that had a penis to see. Um, and we almost got caught, but we didn't. <laughs> so yeah, very young. Um, when was the first time that you sexually interacted with another person so it's interesting because i i think you know all of that stuff is very normal with play um with kids there's a huge amount of curiosity tons of kids were in various corners of recess being (laughs) like what do you have in your pants no really though and so i i think all of that is normal uh rest assured parents out there um but there might be some other conversations um to be had and one of those for me was that I got kissed for it first when I was in first grade. Also, recess was a lively time. <laughs> um, and it kind of developed with that, that same little boy on the playground who would do this thing where he'd go down a tube side and he would stop, especially if he knew I was next in line. And he'd wedge himself in there. And if I went down next he would generally kiss me, make out with me, and eventually it developed to the point where he would put his hand on my pants. Were you guys, like, blocking the slide line? Um, yes, and I think that he actually even told, like, one of his friends to keep people out of the slide for, like, a couple minutes every time. They were in on it. (laughs) A little manipulative Um, there. Yeah, and I wasn't particularly interested. I mean, it wasn't you know, at that time, having someone's hand on my pants wasn't doing anything for me. It wasn't bad, but it I didn't have that conversation about, like, this is okay. It was yeah. more along the lines of, like, we got to the end of the slide, and I was like, so are we dating now? And this was first grade? And that would be second grade by the so, time that that developed. So first and second grade is what I think we're agreeing on, that parents need to have a fucking conversation with their kids about consent. Yeah, I don't think there's a time that could be earlier. I think that we don't talk about it because it's one of those things that we're all terrified is um, traumatic. And, you know, that could be considered sexual harassment in my case. But, you know, in most cases, it's it's a hard line. You know, we're definitely saying kids shouldn't be interacting sexually at all with adults, but they definitely maybe shouldn't know about these things. And if they are doing it just out of exploration... It is never too early to talk about how you can consent using your body. Um, and how I, would you do that? I think it's not outlandish to be able to tell even a six-year-old, mm-hmm. 
your body is your space. Mm -hmm. Just like you say, these are your toys. Mm -hmm. And these are the toys you share (laughs) in the classroom, right? But or whatever that might be. This is your turn. This is someone else's turn. I think it's always a more succinct of your bubble right Mm -hmm. kids get that when they're like stay out of my bubble yeah um your bubble and your body people need permission yes permission to be able to to be there even just like can i hug you can i kiss you and and that they should ask and that's should be normalized Mm -hmm. because even even something like a hug from a very young age, teaching kids, especially little girls, mm-hmm. it's huge. I don't know how many grown-ass women who have said things directly to me like, I wish I had learned how to say no. Mm. Pretty much all the way through high school. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I, longer. I was not having sex sexcapades on the playground. <laughs> like, I remember in sixth grade hearing, like, what... I was doing a little slut shaming in sixth grade. Like, I wish that I wasn't, but I remember, and this is, you know, my Christian upbringing too, just showing out to the world. But I remember these kids talking about, like, having sex in sixth grade behind the baseball fields. And I was like, you didn't do that, or like, whatever. And so I was completely, like, not even involved in that. But what I was doing on the playground when I was in fifth grade was slapping people like we had this game me and like all the boys had this game of like taking our two fingers and like slapping each other's forearms to see if we could leave welts and we did leave welts on each other and we were like proud of them so that was a little kinky maybe like it wasn't sexual but we were definitely like playing around with some pain i don't know many kids that don't do something terrible i mean also (laughs) that same kid that we, we could all there might be you know traumatic influence that's a, a thing to unpack and mm-hmm. un, and uh you know triggers that i would like to you know note i'm sorry if that meets anyone's concern mm-hmm. um please you know take cautious decompress so if you're listening to this episode and it it brings anything up in your own childhood um however i came from a bit more of a rough upbringing too mm-hmm. so that kid that that was hounding me sexually the um, when in a way that I wouldn't have probably experienced at that age maybe he had seen at home maybe he hadn't yeah. but I had seen some violence at home and so I kicked his butt most of the time mm-hmm. up until then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the consensus here is that this stuff needs to be normalized parents need to take the authority and have these really tough conversations with their kids at a young age and they don't have to be tough like you can have them in a very certain way that has some eloquence and can be very explanatory and useful also if you feel like sharing please do slide into our dms on instagram and let us know some stories about maybe when you were getting into some curiosities as a kid, we do want to know how early you were fucking around for fun consensually with other kids. Yeah, hopefully looking at that, you know, with consent and pleasure and also happy to provide resources for those that have experienced sexual trauma in the past. Meeting me, you complete me.
burning question <laughs> about because I know I have an absolute shit ton of nudes in the world. There's a ton of them, yeah. and I wish they weren't. Some of them will be in coffee table books. Some of them will just be in my ex's phones. Okay. But Mistress Bear, uh-huh. how many do you have? How many nudes do I have? Oh my god, I have no idea. I have no idea how many nudes that I have. Um. Nudes are, like, a particular thing for me. I feel like there were a lot of girls that, like, sent nudes to boys in high school, and then those nudes got shared, you know, and then they were, like, the high school slut or whatever. And I feel like there's a lot of trauma that obviously goes with your content not being kept by the person who it was intended for. And while I wasn't sending nudes to people, I did have this boy, um, I guess I was probably a junior or maybe a senior in high school, but I had this guy sneak onto my phone, like when I went to the bathroom or something, and take the, in quotation, nudes that I had on my phone, which were not nudes at all. I was having like a lot of body image issues and I felt very, very fat and I was taking like naked progress pictures of my body in the mirror and this and they were horrible they were like my beginning pictures of how fat I looked and this guy took these and then obviously shared them with people and that was like really fucked up I didn't like that did you ever send any nudes I both like to send and receive and Mm -hmm. I won't lie I have like probably a ton of other people's butts in Mm -hmm. existence on my own phone But I treat those things with cherished respect, Mm -hmm. and I think there is a special place in the dungeon for people that share their ex's nudes or, you know, as some revenge porn, any of those things we are not cool with, Mm -hmm. and nor are we with the kind of internet bullying that can come when you are just starting to explore your sexuality in in those earlier stages. Yeah. Yeah, I think that creates terrible trauma for people and trauma does play into all kinds of things as we get older I mean I'm finding myself unpacking trauma from 15 years ago still like what the fuck um but I think there's an assumption that if you're playing in the dungeon you have trauma and that's why you're there and we don't agree on that Right, so as we mentioned in our last episode, we we don't think that that general societal assumption, from my experience or others, is proven true. There are plenty of people that you would quote-unquote say are normal, Mm trauma-free, that haven't had that experience, and they still can really appreciate kink. However, we would like to look at some of those ways in which you should very carefully approach your kink and BDSM relationships, whether they be just fun play in the bedroom with your partner or a more professional stance, because we need to keep these things in mind, be it triggers, trauma, and how you take care of those relationships. to wrap up this episode we're gonna tell you about an upcoming event that we are so excited about and that is the slut walk happening in denver on september 19th that's a saturday uh we're gonna be there 
I don't know what I'm wearing. Mr. Silva doesn't know what she's wearing, but I'm sure that it's going to be slutty. And probably velvet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for me. It's going to be too warm. <laughs> no velvet. Maybe mesh. Mesh is my material of choice. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And this is going to be awesome. The slut walks have been going on for about a decade now. Um, they really got popularized by Amber Rose as a prominent sex worker um, with her ties to various rappers and um, her really making the LA slut walk a big event. But there are slut walks all over the country, also in Canada. And uh, if you're not in Denver, we hope you participate in those too. Our next episode, we're just going to be getting into a little bit more about how to determine your kinks, communicate that safely, enter the dark side. We're going to reframe some expectations um, and rules and just have a conversation there um, to help us all be a little bit more educated, maybe be a little bit more aware and just see a variety of what are the possible avenues that are going on with the people that you're playing with. And everything starts with safety and consent in these spaces, mm-hmm. and then the fun things. And that was the Dominasty podcast. The, the darkness, darkness within, within us honors, honors the, the darkness, darkness within, within you. you. Namaste. Namaste.